Moncrief on News Talk. Alan Fisher is a chef based in Japan. And if you own a restaurant and you're looking to poach, pun intended, a new cook who can work hard, Alan might be your man. In September, he claimed two new world records for baking and cooking. He baked for 47 hours straight. He then cooked for 119 hours and 57 minutes straight. Alan, good afternoon and congratulations. Thanks. Thanks for taking an interest, uh, Sean. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, right. No, so let's get to uh, g- g- give us some of the detail of the two particular records. Now, the, the, the baking record, h- how much how much bread did you bake in that time? Um, so it was all hand needed. So I didn't use a, a mixer or anything. So over the 48 hours of the attempt, um, I averaged just over 10 soda breads per hour. Uh, worked out 481 I think actually, I actually made four hundred eighty-seven, but I I, I mixed up uh, a rule at the end. We on the forty-eighth hour, we ran out of. We didn't have a schedule for like uh, forty-eight hours and one minute. We didn't have any more witnesses. That wasn't on the schedule, so I foolishly put in. I'd made two different types of soda bread, and I put them into the oven at one time. What Guinness World Record said: No, once it goes into the oven, you need to start making another one. So that's why. The baking record is only 47 hours and 21 minutes or something. I lost about 39 minutes because I put two different types of soda bread into the oven at one time instead of making one and baking one or something. So just a little, little things like that. They're very strict. They're very mm-hmm. strict, you know. Yeah. And so it, it was all soda bread, though, you made in, in the 47 hours. Yeah. So actually for the, for the baking marathon, it says that you need to be working with flour. Uh, the entire time. Uh, initially, I was thinking maybe carrot cake or or just soda bread. That's what I was actually thinking. But with, with regards to this, the carrot cake, you know, you got to put icing on and so on. That's not included in the record attempt. So it has to be just kneading and baking. So that was actually the most physical challenge. I stood, I was standing basically for 47 hours. Uh, I remember it was about 12 hours in and my back was just in, in a lot of pain. Uh, I needed to sit down. So what the, what I figured out was that, okay, every time I, I make a batch of bread, I, I wash my hands. So I just sit down for about 30 or 40 seconds as I was washing my hands. Uh, that's how I got through with the baking. Yeah. Uh, that, that was actually quite physically difficult, the baking one. Yeah. And w- are you allowed to take a break at all uh, um, during either? Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's very interesting, the breaks, because I think the, uh, for the cooking marathon, there was a lady in Nigeria, Hilda, who she actually did 100 hours of an attempt, but she was deducted seven hours because she took a break a little bit too long or something. I think I understand why that happened, because in the record, it says you're allowed, for every active hour worked, you're allowed five minutes of a break. So straight away, your mind goes, to, well, OK, for 24 hours, I get two hours break, but it doesn't really work like that. So if you're baking for one hour, you get five minutes. Uh, you go on a five minute break and then you you don't you don't get another break for another two hours and five minutes. The breaks don't count towards your next break. And then if you work, say, for 10 hours, you only have like a 50 minute break. And if you want to brush your teeth or change your clothes or wash, you, you have to do it in that time. So if you want to try grab any sleep, it's a very tricky thing to navigate. Uh, so that's why I was very dehydrated over the course of the, of the week. I think I lost about 10 kilograms. I'd imagine you were, yeah. So and so then when it came to the cooking then, and, and it should be pointed out, you started on this one only two days after you finished the baking one, nearly 120 hours. Yes. Now, uh, yeah. beef and Guinness stew, lamb stew, uh, coddle, boxy, kalkanen, bacon and cabbage. So a bit of a theme there, not typical Japanese uh, um, uh, cuisine. Yeah, it wasn't the typical Japanese fair. I thought that I thought that would be very interesting as well. You know, being in nine thousand miles from Ireland in rural Japan, 
in Matsue and in like the, the second least populated prefecture in Japan, cooking traditional Irish food and breaking to a Guinness World Record. So yeah, it was good. Uh, the entire city got behind me, which was amazing. I definitely felt it like uh, adopted by the by the city uh, over the course of the week. I guess giving away just under one ton of free food will do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would, I, I would. I would imagine it would. Now for for the for the cooking one though, I mean you must have been yes. out of your mind towards the end of it. One hundred and twenty hours straight. Yeah, there was so many things. I think that was definitely more of a, a mental mental challenge. The cooking one, just fatigue was 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 terrible. So uh, how I, I, when it, when it came to the cooking, especially after the, the back pain I had in the baking, I was I got approval from Guinness to sit down as I was baking. I was peeling potatoes. So I peeled about three hundred kilograms of potatoes. I actually had blisters on my hands for about three weeks afterwards. And but I was looking forward to that every night. You know, I was going, oh great. So <laughs> when it wasn't that busy. I, I would cook large volumes. So overnight, I made a list, uh, like a, a, a tentative list in my head because you could only work within the recipes that were approved by Guinness. It was 42 different recipes that they said okay to. So you could only cook those recipes. I was thinking, well, as you mentioned there, uh, Sean, like the lamb, sure, or beef and Guinness, if you cook 50 liters of that, you'll be at it all night. So you need to have two items constantly cooking. So overnight, I remember I made a really, really large portion of Dublin Coddle and I made a really large portion of beef and Guinness and um, the stews were great for that. So that allowed, that enabled me just to sit down, catch my breath and start peeling potatoes. But that was fine for the first day or two. But when you start into your third, fourth and fifth days of not sleeping, the moment you sit down and you start peeling the potato, within about 10 seconds, I was drifting off. So I had to get a bucket of ice. Uh, ice water and then before I'd peel the potatoes I'd dunk the head in the water and then I'd sit down and that would give me a good five ten minutes to peel the potato it was just it seems like a dream to be honest but yeah it's, wow. it's um yeah, it's, yeah thankfully they approved uh, all the it, evidence you know? is it true like you started having hallucinations towards the end of that it wasn't no, nothing now when you say it like it sounds like I turned into a crazy person towards the end of it but it wasn't it was just a little thing like on the fourth or fifth day I remember I thought I seen someone in the corner of my eye and I said, well, you wouldn't pass me. Oh, and it was something like that. You know, I I, yeah. I, I was asking to pass something, but it was just someone that wasn't there. So, uh, yeah, I just got home with it then, you know. But thankfully, I've been cooking all those recipes at the stew house for, for almost a decade. So towards the end, because a, a tricky thing as well was just trying to maintain the quality and that restaurant mindset kept creeping in. We, we had people waiting for several hours, like, and they were there to support the, the attempt. But the same time when there's several customers waiting for several hours in your restaurant you, you kind of automatically switch into well i better get, get in gear here and get the food ready mm. my wife was going no no they're not here for you got to calm down like you can't keep keep rushing like this you'll burn yourself out so yeah it was a tricky thing to navigate just trying to make enough volumes to, to get everyone food so yeah it, ultimately it worked out three thousand three hundred and sixty dishes of food that we serve during the cooking. My God, that's extraordinary. So uh, the obvious question, how does a fella from Dundalk end up in rural Japan cooking? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This could be a bleed. You could do a three hour or three hour interview <laughs> that one. But uh, to give you the short fares, I came over in 2008 just looking for a bit of adventure and, and so one thing led to another. I, I met my wife. I stayed longer than I should have had an IT company. And that was kind of a decision point. So that day I went home and said, look, I'm going to try to build a business around my passion. Like, uh, like I am a passionate Irish man using food as a doorway to share Irish culture. I wonder if it'll work. Now, I'm still still wondering, like, you know, that sort of way the pandemic didn't do me any favours. But uh, I moved during the pandemic. I uh, had a small restaurant in Tokyo, but we launched our like kind of frozen food business where we ship online. In Japan, you can ship frozen food and refrigerated food very easily. So, we had to move outside of Tokyo where the shop was too small. And the very interesting thing about this part of Japan 
is 100, over 100 years ago, a guy by the name of Patrick Lafcadio Hearn. So Patrick Hearn, um, he is uh, an, from an Irish father and a Greek mother. He was born on the island of Lafcada in Greece. He moved to Matsui, where he married a samurai's daughter by the name of Setsu Koizumi. And he naturalized and took a Japanese name called Koizumi Yakumo. And that name, the Japanese name Koizumi Yakumo, would be very famous in Japan. But not too many people know he's actually an Irish, Irish Greek guy by the name of Patrick Lafcadio Hearn. And his museum, a museum dedicated to him, is in the city and is run by his relatives. So the strongest historical connection between Ireland and Japan is in the city. So when I said, well, if I want to share Irish culture through food and ship it online with frozen food, maybe maybe this is a good place to go. So that, that's how I ended here. Sorry it took so long to say that. That's all right, that. but it's a, it was that's a fascinating that, yeah. story uh, nonetheless. Alan Fisher is the second most famous Irish man in Japan. Alan, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much for your time. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.